I don't know where you are in life right now or where it is you want to go. But if you are a curious soul like me, I know this about you. You are searching for greatness in life. You desire financial freedom. And you ask yourself daily how you can master success in business without wasting years of your life. On this show, we are going to interview all the leading experts and influencers in the fields of marketing, mindset, and sales to expose all the tips and tricks you need to accelerate your business and amplify your success. My name is Reem Kharbat, and this is the Entrepreneur Accelerator. Hey guys, welcome back to the Entrepreneur Accelerator. It's me, Reem. You know, we are really in an unprecedented time for humanity. We really never been through anything like this as a planet before. Certainly not in this lifetime. The last pandemic was in 1918. And I don't think any of us are old enough to even have grandparents or parents to remember that. So it's good to have you here. I'm really grateful for you in my life. And I really think this is something that we're all going to look back on as a defining moment in our lives and how we handle this moment right now in our business, in our family life and our personal life is going to speak a lot for what the future looks like. But I know one thing, you're here because you have growth mindset. And because you do, I think you will love this episode that would help you shift your way of thinking to the next level in your business. In this episode, we'll be discussing why should you start having a proper business plan in place to help you survive such challenging times without having to take hard decisions. What does exit strategy mean and why sometimes we should not get too attached to our product or business? My guest in this episode, Joan Stoy, is likely the only investment advisor you've ever met who has managed both $3.5 billion in a sushi kitchen. Joan's career in finance began on Wall Street trading floor over 25 years ago. His experience has uniquely prepared him to see the financial service industry for what it is, flush with companies and professionals far more focused on their own best interests than their customers. Joan founded Verbatim Financial to fight the good fight against burdensome fees and predatory financial services salesmen. So without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to this episode. Enjoy. Joan, thank you so much for being here on the show. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Reem. I really appreciate uh, you having me and, and uh, chatting with you across the world from, uh, from my seat here in social distancing isolation in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm, uh, I'm happy to do so and, and to be able to talk with all your listeners. This is really great. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm so happy as well because um, at least we feel that we're still connected. We're still, you know, alive, even that I'm in the lockdown for over two months now. Uh, as we were talking before the show, I'm about to go crazy, but having my guests on the show is just giving me, you know, a hope and um, a feeling that everything is going to be okay very soon and uh, things will just uh, go back to normal. So uh, how are you coping with, uh, with the situation? How is everything... Um, 
there in Atlanta? Well, things are, I, I, I think in general, things are pretty good. We're, we're lucky. Um, we're staying healthy. Uh, I, have a, uh, I have a first grader who's doing virtual schooling and I'm, I'm managing that from home. Uh, and, uh, and my wife, uh, my wife is a physician. She goes into the hospital almost every day and, and she has had to treat COVID patients, but she has remained healthy as well to this point. So we're happy about that. And, and so we really have nothing to complain about uh, per se compared to a lot of people. That's for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for me, um, my daughter, she's like just four years old and uh, no virtual schooling yet. So uh, um, I don't think like I feel the same like you. I'm not so comfortable like you. I feel like there's um, a little bit more stress having, uh, you know, the kids at home. But anyways, we're safe. Everything is good. Um, (laughs) John, can you please just tell us a little bit more about you? Who is John and what is the story behind managing 3.5 billion and is in a sushi restaurant? Like what is happening yeah, on there? Yeah, yeah. So we had a, I, so I'll give, uh, I'll give you guys uh, the, the 50,000 foot um, story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't want to pretend that everybody wants to hear my entire life story. I don't deserve a movie or anything like that, but um Basically, what I did was everything according to the book for the first uh, my 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 educational career, uh, going to college, getting an MBA, working on Wall Street, um, and basically, like I said, on on a on a sort of a standard or if if not accelerated trajectory um, to what people would consider success. Um, mm getting to the point where, yes, uh, I was managing three and a half or so billion dollars um, of fixed income portfolios uh, for some pretty large um, investment management firms. Uh, And then uh, we had this thing called the financial crisis 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, 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 that threw my career for a bit of a loop. Um, It took me out of Wall Street a couple of times, I say a couple of times because um, it also awakened in me some entrepreneurial spirit that whether I knew that I had it or not, um, it was there. And the first thing I did was I stayed, once I lost my my, my positions with larger firms, uh, I, I decided to stay within the financial world that I understood. And I opened up um, a uh, sort of a hedge fund and we were to invest in distressed assets um, that had, you know, gone down in value because of the financial crisis, um, and uh, and 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 we had some initial success doing that until the U.S. government bailed out the banks, mm-hmm. and then the banks didn't need, you know, our money. It was oh. government. Yeah, the taxpayers' money is a lot cheaper than 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 hedge fund money. Let's let's put it that way. Um, and so I, I got kind of bent out of shape uh, and decided I was going to do something completely different then. And that's what led me to the food industry and, uh, and sushi oh, wow. specifically. Yeah, I, I, I decided that I did not want to be beholden to anyone else uh, who could decide, that's, which is what I felt. I felt somebody else had decided for me whether mm-hmm. my business would, could succeed or not. 
and mm -hmm. I, and I wanted to be in control of that. Um, and so uh, I also knew that I I couldn't run a restaurant. I don't I'm I, I'm not that type of entrepreneur. Um, but but I could design processes and yeah. and I could and I could make make sales calls and things like that. Um, and so after looking at uh, different types of businesses and, and food being the one that I could identify that had the, in my opinion, uh, you know, the, some of the lower barriers to entry to, mm -hmm. to new mm -hmm. businesses, uh, I went with sushi um, because sushi is essentially um, an assembly process to make sushi. You know, the only thing you cook is, is the rice. And if you can cook the rice correctly, um, and if you can buy the right ingredients, high quality ingredients, then uh, all you need is, is some, some, some fellows with good knife skills and you could teach them how to put together essentially sushi rolls, right? Um, and so that's, so that's how I, I, I came upon that. Uh, and we developed a business uh, that uh, eventually was a, at times a seven figure uh, business. And it was due to the fact that I sold sushi in bulk delivery to wow. uh, corporate clients. Yeah, so we delivered to, to universities and hospital systems um, in Georgia. And, and that was really one, uh, what led to our success and two, uh, what led me to be able to sell the company when it was time for me to do that. Uh, and and oh. because of, you know, when you're trying to sell a small business, uh, what you really need to do is to be able to, to show uh, potential future owners, right? That they have a cash flow stream. And so I could, I could say to, to the, uh, you know, again, to buyers, here's, here, here's a customer base that I'm selling you. So I'm not just selling you a, a, a building, a lease and you know some guys that can make sushi you know i'm selling you basically this book of business and 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 that was something that i had planned on from the start before we even you know uh, cut our first piece of fish i knew that i had to create something if i was going to go into a business and and start something on my own it had to be something that was at some point saleable because mm -hmm. I, I didn't intend to run this business until I retired. Um, and if, and I didn't intend to just have it shut down the moment mm -hmm. I, I stopped wanting to do it. So, so, so the, the saleability was a big aspect of, of what I, what I was looking for. Um, and it's something that I talked to um, entrepreneurs and, and potential business owners um, right now, when I work with them, uh, a big question that I'll ask them is, okay, well, what's your plan for the future, like right? Exit How strategy. long do you want to run the business? Ex yeah, exit strategy is, 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 is huge. Because if you, don't, if you don't have an exit strategy, um, you know, frankly, it's, it's like the old joke, if you, if you don't know where you're going, you know, any road will take you there. Um, the, the exit strategy for me drove um, so many of the components of, of that business uh, and from developing, you know, uh, repeatable procedures and, and, and again, that customer book um, to 
the relationships that you that you work on over the course of time uh, it's just it's something that without that again without that end goal exit strategy in mind even if you never fully intend to exit your business like you might think that it's the business that you want to do for the rest of your life um life can throw you some some curveballs and Absolutely. you might want to be able to pull that you know, pull that parachute string. But John, this is, of course, this is one of the most interesting discussions ever because so many, I mean, so very little uh, or few number of people who would have this mentality, as you said, who would know or think about planning their exit before even starting their business. I haven't seen people like people, they always talk about their plans on how to grow and scale, but none of them, like also the startups, like they don't even, when some investors, you know, ask them, for example, what is your exit strategy? No one thinks about that. And um, the question is, how do you advise, let's say, because not everyone has a financial background, not everyone has a very solid business background. How do you advise or um, what do you advise uh, uh, starting entrepreneurs um, to plan and think about the exit strategy. How do you have this in mind? How do you plan it? What, what are the KPIs that you look uh, for? Like, what is it exactly that will help them think about that? Okay, well, this is a, that's a great question. Um, and so, you know, one of the things or tools to use, frankly, and I've heard you talk about this, is writing things down. Um, it is, it's super important and, and people, entrepreneurs, especially, I'm thinking I'm taking words out of your mouth, uh, where, you know, they'll have all these ideas and they never write them down. So they never come to fruition. Um, one of the things that you can do is plot it out and you'd be surprised uh, how much of this type of business planning doesn't require uh, specific training and again in finance or marketing or any of that kind of stuff um it just requires you to sit down um sort of in a quiet space of your own mind and 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 think through what you want um because of once you decide you know the goal you can figure out how to get there you can maybe hire other people to get there um you can talk to other folks who have gone through this type of, of uh, experience before, um, whether it's, you know, listening or chatting with successful entrepreneurs. Uh, nowadays, again, here we are on podcasts or the internet. Yes. Um, there's, there's a ton of fantastic, right? There's a ton of but fantastic. You said, um, you said that you started already. Out there. Sorry for interrupting you. Sorry. No, uh, so you said that when you already started with the with the concept of uh, having a sushi restaurant, you already have that plan in mind. But mm -hmm. at which stage do you think that every entrepreneur should think about the exit strategy? Because everyone, I'm telling you, like what they teach in the space is that um, you need to start uh, building your business around something that you're passionate um you're passionate about something that uh, you enjoy doing so the concept of working on something building and scaling it 
sometimes it's very hard for a person to let go of something that he started. And I'm telling you from an experience. Uh, so when you work hard on something, it's very difficult for you to think about letting go of that concept. So when do you think that we should start thinking about this? And how can we make a shift in the mentality of looking at it as a business? And at a certain point, you might just have to let go. Yeah, so um, that exact reason is why, in my opinion, you have to do it from the very start. In other words, you have to have in your mind the at least the seed of the idea that you can let it go, that it is just a business. Um, and if you have passion for it, that's fantastic. It's going to get you through the, the, the late nights and the long hours that come with um, uh, entrepreneurship and, and business ownership because of, yeah, you have to be the uh, chief cook and bottle washer. It doesn't matter, uh, yeah. you know, what job has to be done. Mm -hmm. If you're the owner, you have to do it. And, and, and certainly I've, I, I did them all in, in that business. Um, but if you, if you allow yourself to, as you say, fall into that trap of thinking that, that this business is, is you and not mm -hmm. that it is its own separate um, product, Mm -hmm. uh, that that then then you you make it a lot more difficult for yourself to get out when you might need to. Now I had a dream, if you want to call it that, despite the fact that I I, I say that I that I had this idea of selling the business or or being able to sell it from the start. Um, you know, three three years into the sushi business, I had a dream of 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 scaling up substantially more mm -hmm. than than I did, um, and I knew or I felt I knew how to do it. But the way that I was going to grow the business and, and increase my margins and everything you need to do to, to take your business to the next level required time away from my family that wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't one, it wasn't realistic and two, it wasn't something I was willing to do. And so that essentially pushed the eject button for me on that business, um, the, mm -hmm. the birth of my son, frankly. Um, wow. And so I combined that with the fact that I was going to have to go from a business that ran from Monday to Friday and allowed me to get home by three, four in the afternoon to a business that would have to run seven days a week um, and cause me to have to work four out of seven days at night in the evenings mm. and basically keeping away me away from like, like I said, my family. So, so that was, so I had that dream and, but I also knew that, okay, life changes and sometimes you have to change with it. And, and in fact, all, all the time you have to change with it. And if you're unwilling to, that's where you really run into the problems. Uh, you're amazing. You know why? Because just recently, actually two days ago, um, with, um, I had this assignment from a coach of mine, uh, in an inner circle, we were just discussing the concept of the average perfect day. I don't know if you ever heard about that, but for me, it was totally a new concept, which is, um, 
to plan your perfect day, which leads you eventually when you plan your perfect day, the average perfect day, which is like regardless of any kind of limitation, whether it's financial or uh, geographical or anything, just you plan out how do you want your perfect day to be, okay? This will lead you to think about your core identity, what you really want to be, who you are, which will also lead you to know what kind of business do you want to be do you want to have or do you want to run and what kind of customers eventually you want to attract to you because as you said sometimes you might have the perfect model which will generate a lot of money for you but it will just take you away from your core like your core identity or what you really how you want to live your life maybe mm -hmm. and sometimes I, you know i used to say this before like i want to be famous i want to be rich but I just don't want to live this life where I have to work 24 seven and just not be able to be with my family and with my baby and to do all the things that I want to do. We, we want money mm -hmm. to live our life with our family and create memories and be able to do our hobbies. But sometimes people think that the more you work, and the more you get money, this is where you will, you know, you will get uh, or achieve happiness. And it's, for me, it's totally the opposite. Sometimes you will feel more fulfilled with having something. But have you read a, a book? Definitely. With I wish you guys can see the library that John has. Because honestly, I'm so jealous. He has almost uh, all Barnes and Nobles. You have it in the back. <laughs> your library <laughs> we have to take a screenshot of that because uh, there is this book which is called the four hour work week have you heard about that mm. oh yeah i've heard about it i haven't read it but i believe i've read significant excerpts from it for sure which is eventually talks about the 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 same um, concept of how can you run the business that you like that you love that will help you generate money and live the, the freedom that everybody is seeking, but without just wasting your life and spending your whole day away from everybody that you love and away from doing what you really want to do in your day or in your life and just uh, shrinking it to just four hours a week. So it's an amazing concept. I love what you like how you led me to hold it to all this it's uh honestly i'm really happy that we spoke about this and the question is so now you sold the sushi business and i feel sad because i love sushi so you, you <laughs> sold that sushi business and did, did it did that lead you to invest in something else or start something else like did you take that business model and implement it on other uh, business ideas well it's so the reason why i alluded to it before the reason why i sold the business was 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 the birth of our son so what i did um and it was the greatest gift frankly um mm -hmm. that i could ever get was was i was able to stay home with him um for mm. the first four years or so of his, of his life and and my wife again as a physician she works all the time <laughs> and uh and so uh the choice was to w w one of us was was going to have to you know stay home a little more with the with the baby and mm -hmm. and luckily i was able to do that um a little more 
easily than than she would have been able to. Um, so I did that again for about four years, and the whole time I, I did some. I worked with some friends and helped them with projects and things like that. But but I was thinking always about how would I want to re-enter the the job market, um, the the financial world, the manufacturing world, possibly the food world. Who knew? Um, and and what I eventually settled on um, was a way for me to use my experience um, of, you know, almost 20 plus years in finance, and then my time as a as a small business owner, um, how could I help folks in in the the in the most effective manner. Um, And and I did uh, end up that's what led to me to, to, to start verbatim financial that's my my uh, investment advisory company um and i i shot away from that for for frankly for for a long time uh even before i started the sushi business after the financial crisis i had, people were telling me well geez you should start an investment management company because mm-hmm. of you know how to to you know how to, how to run investments you, you know how to yes. manage money it seems like something you should do but um the i never thought that the industry was frankly uh, i didn't have a lot of respect let's put it that way for for the industry of of financial advisory um mm. because there's a lot of sales involved um and there's a lot of attempts to convince people clients that an investment advisor is going to make them money mm-hmm. and that to me, that's just not possible. Having managed uh, the amount of money that I did, um, I knew that you know the markets drive returns, um, world world events drive returns. Uh, the investment manager himself or herself, they don't drive the returns. Um, they can they can put money in the right places for their clients. Uh, but but they're not going to make them any money. Uh, and so I just thought it was, for lack of a better word, a bit of a dishonest uh, business in the communications that people did, had, had with their clients. And I didn't want to be involved in it. Um, but I would say, again, referencing podcasting, um, I only really started to learn that there is, there's a different side of the business. And there's, there's, yeah. there are people out there... Um, and they've been doing it for for well over a decade um, and going back actually into the 70s uh, Jack Bogle um, he started the first uh, index funds at, at Vanguard and brought out this idea that investors are better are best served when they pay the lowest fees possible and in basically invest passively and, and, and as broadly as possible in, in the markets. And once I realized that there were people who were doing the business the right way and that I could run a business the right yeah. way such mm-hmm. that I could sleep at night, right? Knowing that I'm charging mm-hmm. my clients a, a fair fee and I'm not pretending that I'm doing anything for them other than helping them plan for their future uh, better than they would have otherwise, you know, that, that's what allowed me to do, to do this business and, and to start verbatim. 
That's absolutely awesome. The concept is really amazing. And for sure, I'm sure that there are many people who would love to know more about uh, forbatum and the, the, the concept that you're talking about. And uh, because, of course, whenever you hear about a financial advisor or an investment advisor, it's like in movies, it's, you always know that there's a bad guy in there. And there's something that is not really good. And especially for, so it's whether money laundry or just, uh, there is something that is not really um, good behind that. So it's really interesting to know that, yes, you can do your business. You can do what you love and what you're good at, but do it at your way. And I'm sure that there are many people who are like seeking and looking for something like that and especially these days and we're talking about um now the economy is not at its best and we know that everything is going down and there's i'm sure that a recession is coming very very soon what is your um input in this regards like with with the with the pandemic and the financial market that is going down and the, everything is just there's the huge uncertainty and people are just panicking people are just withdrawing money and no one knows what to do from your own experience and as an investment and financial advisor what do you suggest what what is your input and how can we help uh, let's say um, starting entrepreneurs who are having you know maybe uh, they're having the fear less clients because there are many people who lost their jobs and they cannot pay. And, uh, you know, um, th there are a lot of, as I said, uncertainty and, and fear, uh, in the air. So how can we help people and tell them from your point of view, uh, what to do next? Well, I think the, the real answer to that or, or a large part of the answer to that to that question goes back to the to what we were talking about earlier on in our chat which is which is planning um, and if you can put together a plan that makes sense for your long-term goals you shouldn't have to make changes to that plan based upon extraneous events even things like this this virus uh when you act from emotion is is when you usually end up making your bigger mistakes yeah. and not just financially right um but it, it, we can all look through our lives and 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 think back and on probably some of the decisions we made that we might regret slightly they were chances are taken out of emotion versus objectivity um yeah. and it just like the entrepreneur who gets the offer to sell her business for a massive profit but refuses it because she wants to keep running it for herself uh right uh yeah the the emotional connection to the business and then you know a couple of years later through no fault of her own the business is is, is gone right mm -hmm. um you realize that the the emotion is what is what damages you so we don't know what's going to happen with this virus. The uncertainty is really the hardest part, I think, of the whole thing. Um, and and yes, if I had people calling me up, um, not clients, thankfully, because if, 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 if folks that work with me have already bought into the concept that we don't control the markets and we shouldn't make 
long-term decisions based upon short-term market moves, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I've had other friends call me, frankly, uh, mm -hmm. with the same question. Should I sell? Should I get out? Ooh, yes. Um, things like that. Um, and, and I would always tell them, okay, well, okay. It, what if you did get out? When would you get back in? How would you know? But this is the um, question. I read it somewhere that you should not buy or sell in the market right now. Like, do not take any step now. But there are many people who are selling all their investments because of fear. Yep. They're selling all yep. of their investments. They want to liquidate and they want cash. So this is my question to you. Like, what do you advise, what do you advise people who have some investments in the market? What do they have to do right now? Should they hold? And again, wait? Well, uh, I would hope, and, and this, would, this would be part of the goal, right? The goal would be to, to, to create that plan um, and folks like me help, help people develop the plans. Um, but you could come up with your own plan. The, the idea of creating a personal um, investment policy is, is something that, that is a lot more helpful than people can imagine. And it, and it can be very short. It doesn't have to be uh, a 10-page paper. Um, mm. But the investment policy would uh, include having a certain amount of, of money in cash, having mm. a certain amount in investments of different nature, and knowing that you should try to keep that, maybe those percentages similar. But again, we can't we shouldn't make long-term decisions based upon short-term, you know, market movements. And mm -hmm. if you, if you're able to, to, to look at that policy that you wrote yourself or either by yourself or with the help of an advisor, it doesn't matter. And every time you're tempted to make a move like people are nowadays, you could reference that paper, take a breath, count to 10, and ask yourself, does this make sense in relation to my long-term goals? Mm. Now, obviously, there, there are exceptions to everything, right? People, there are, there are going to be people that, that, that need cash for one reason or another. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's a different story, right? But, um, but if you've set yourself up according to a, a prudent long-term plan, then this type of uh, market environment, uh, it shouldn't really affect you. What kind of freedom would that give you to not worry about the market and or your investments um, and to then only focus on your business? Because if without a doubt, your business probably needs serious attention during, stump, during a time like this, during a, during yeah, a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. like we're in your investments should not need that type of attention okay but what about people who are investing let's say in real estate and rental properties for example and we know that especially those who are in the rental properties let's let's say business and there are there are many people who cannot pay their rents they are defaulting on paying the rents. And accordingly, you cannot pay back the banks or your creditors. It's, you have to worry about that. So um, 
like this is the question like what 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 should we do i know it's not an easy thing but but what i'm saying because you were already working in this field and you, as you said back in 2008 when the whole um when the recession happened like is there like any indicators the same thing is there like marks uh, that shows that the the or a benchmark that the history that the history repeats itself something like that is there anything that you see a trend that is similar well that's a great question and certainly a lot of folks um people with phds and more education than i have have been spending a lot of uh, of time on their at their keyboards and 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 on tv trying to figure that that type of thing out um this is what i will say is this is a different type of market disruption than mm. 2008 mm. um, This is a self-imposed market disruption, essentially, because governments have chosen to shut down, essentially, mm. their economies um, in order to ideally save citizens' lives. Yes. Um, the, the major economic indicators, certainly in the United States and then, and then in, in, in much of the world, uh, were quite positive uh, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so there is a very, in my opinion, there's a very realistic hope that, that we should, once we get through um, the worst of this, that, that we should start moving back to uh, a, a better economic position. There's going to be overhang and fallout for sure. Mm -hmm. There are going to be you know, jobs lost that will not come back immediately. Um, and that's going to be, you know, difficult. Um, certainly for folks in real estate markets uh, and rental uh, property investors, um, the, again, the, the interesting thing about that is that when I think about it, I, I think about people having um, smaller essentially exposures to to real estate within their overall investment portfolios, which is a different thing than someone whose job uh, or business itself is investment in yeah. in, uh, in in yeah. in rental or, or real estate, right? Um, and so it's 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 a tough thing because real estate again is so local, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a there's a there's going to be a big difference between uh, different U.S. states' reactions and how they recover um, across the world. Different countries are going to have different reactions. It's it's certainly I don't think it's something that that I could make one pronounce one pr pronounce pronouncement uh, you know on a on the best move. The best move for an individual investor would be to have of a, essentially a varied enough allocation of, of, of asset types within their portfolio such I that if, if they are exposed, you know, to, to real estate, um, be it through funds or through uh, properties uh, themselves, then if that becomes a problematic part of their portfolio, it won't be, you know, as damaging overall. Awesome. Um, John, 
if people want to know more about your services, first of all, who are your customers? Who do you who do you help? Like, does anybody like anybody can come and um, invest, or you help them uh, in their investment? Like, anybody can come and 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 uh, uh, work with you, or there are like is there like a special special criteria for people to work with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for asking for that question. Um, my clients are, 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 are fairly varied, but I do tend to work with, uh, with business owners and, um, and sort of folks um, at the executive levels because it's, they tend to be folks who, who don't have time to, uh, to, to handle right. their mm-hmm. uh, personal finances or um, they have developed or not developed, but, but um, they've allocated so much of their life to running their business and or their career that uh, although they're perfectly capable of, of, yeah. of doing their own investment planning and, and financial work, um, they know that, that they just don't have the time to do it and and things mm-hmm. right we all know that uh if you don't divide devote the the correct amount of time to projects they things fall fall by the wayside and that's where again mistakes end up happening so so that's that's it but but i i end up working with folks that really they know they want to work with an advisor but they're nervous about the financial services industry, maybe they yeah. were approached by an insurance salesman at some point mm-hmm. in the past and sold something that they realized wasn't in their best interest. Um, yeah. Or they were wined and dined at a steak dinner by um, yeah. someone <laughs> from one of, the, one of the larger companies. And it just sort of left them with a, with a bad taste in their mouth. Um, so they, they know they need help, but they are suspicious of the industry. Uh, once I, talk to folks like that they can usually get pretty pretty comfortable with uh, with what i'm doing and uh, and that allows us to start a relationship awesome so if people want to know more about you more about your service or your company where can they find you well for better or for worse i'm i'm all over the um social media uh you know and and so you can you can look me up people can look me up by my handle which uh uh, we alluded to to my name is uh, last name is pronounced Stoy, um, but it's spelled S T O J. Uh, the J is like a Y, and uh, and so my my handle on on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is is actually Stoy Boy S T O J B O J. Uh, oh. A little uh, <laughs> twist twist on that, and so they can look me up there as well as going to verbatimfinancial.com. That's a great uh, that's a great place to to learn about my business. Awesome. I will have all the information written down in the uh, show notes. Uh, John, I would really want to thank you for having you or for being here with me in the show. It was really amazing talking to you, Um, especially that we talked about a few things that I haven't uh, in my show, I haven't spoke, uh, spoken about before. And uh, for me, coming from a finance background, I found it really, really interesting. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, I'm so happy. And I hope that we'll get the chance to talk more about future things, about more things. Uh, and, and this will maybe when things are getting 
better. Uh, you never know. So thank you so much for being here in the Entrepreneur Accelerator and I um, uh, hope you're staying safe and uh, God bless. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Reem. This has been an absolute pleasure for me too. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, would you please take a minute to rate and review my show? That would mean the world to me. And let me know if you have any questions in mind or something that you're struggling with so I can cover in future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out. Let's accelerate your success together. And remember, success is not an accident. Success is a choice. See you next time.